This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. No Jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Today I'm in here with my wonderful co-host, Compton AD. And today we are talking to someone who you brought to the table. Yeah, man. Somebody you're a big fan of, 19 Keys in the building. 19 Keys, man. Man, pleasure to be here. I appreciate y'all having me. 100%, man. How you doing? Man, I feel amazing. How about yourself? Excellent. Starting off the uh, the Wednesday right. Yeah. In the booth. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're coming from, and, and, and what your early days were like. I'm from Oakland, California. Uh, St. Louis born. Left when I was like two, so I was raised in Oakland. Um, back and forth when I was a teenager. You know, um, people know me as a thought leader, you know, educator. Um, also, you know, entrepreneur, businessman. So I've been creating, you know, high-level groups of black men and women traveling around the world, teaching and educating for like the last seven to ten years. You understand me? So I built up a platform really just through my perspective, you understand me, on the, wor- on the world, different subjects, industries, teaching people skill sets, everything from blockchain to mindset. You know, um, they have a show called High Level Conversations. Right. So high level conversations does extremely well where I bring in different guests and I don't I never call it an interview because it's just a conversation for me. I started to watch a few episodes and then I realized that I was learning way more about the guests than about you. Yeah. So that was a little uh, I'm I'm a little bit lacking in knowledge, although I did manage to learn about a few other people along the way. Yeah, I think I do that on purpose. You know, I got a I got a lot of shit in my past to be honest with you, but it's just not that interesting for me to talk about it. I already lived it. But I want me? I want a little bit of an understanding of like where you're coming from and stuff. So what were your parents like? My parents, uh, pops from Illinois, mom's from Missouri. You understand me? Um, they converted to Islam after they met each other, had nine children together. Mm-hmm. Um, after they went to UCLA and seen the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan speak. Um, my mother was the first one who converted, and then my father followed then into Islam as well after her. You understand me? But he was always in the streets, you know, real black revolutionary of his time. Uh-huh. So for him, he said it was easy because once he heard the teachings, he said it resonated with him already. It was almost like common sense to him. Right. Interesting. So, like, you, you say that you, like, got into the whole world of being a thought leader. Like, how much was education prioritized? And, and what, what kind of ideas were they putting in your head as a young kid? Well, I mean, you know, I always said my parents' main idea that gave me was just teaching me I was a god at an early age. You know, I think early on, that's like a, a God complex. Like, you feel like you can't be harmed. Like, you know, you're impervious to things. It's like the immature perspective of it. But as you grow, you understand the responsibility of having knowledge yourself, self-mastery, discipline, different principles that you attach to yourself, right? And then just the power of the mind, mentalism, things of that nature. 
So for me, not education in the sense of like institutional education, but like self-learning. Mm. You understand me? And like learning through my experiences and my perspectives and then learning what was my gifts and talents that I can utilize to build and teach and educate others. Okay. How did you do in school, generally speaking? I think I was a decent student in high school, um, but <laughs> I didn't really like high school for this. I didn't like the, the way that they taught us. I remember I had this teacher, Mrs. Ashley, man. She was a math teacher. And I used to be able to figure out how to get the answer to the problem, but not in the way that she wanted me to show the work, mm. right? So therefore, she would either say I'm cheating or she would just flunk me for it because I didn't want to do it the way she wanted me to do it. But I realized, like, it wasn't about developing me. It was just about me passing through. So from there on, I think it learned, I learned a lot about people where it was like, if I can just pacify these people and I can get along with the teachers, then they had passed me through, mm. right? So it changed my perspective on the world in that particular incident. Because I, I think she gave me a big lesson, even though I think she didn't even understand what she was doing at that time. Right. You understand me? So I went to college for a year, dropped out because I caught a case, um, and then took that case to trial, beat that. You understand me? What and was that? Never ended up going back. What did you get caught up doing? Um, in Oakland, I was accused of being a part of an assault. Somebody snitched, put my name in a pile of other names, said that I was there, you know, but... Um, we went through that whole trial. My father and my brother was our co-defendant. And at the time in Oakland, they was really at the black Muslims. Your father and your brother? Mm. You caught a case all together? Yeah. Damn, that must have been a good bonding experience, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if I caught a case with my dad, we were really getting close. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it might have been. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. looking at it. But, you know, I think my, my childhood was wild. So, you know, we had a lot of bonding experiences. Mm. You know, I think... The greatest lessons I learned from that, though, I remember going through it, and I had, like, this fat, fumbling lawyer. You understand me? I remember after I beat the case, he was like, yo, this is, like, the first case I ever won. You understand me? <laughs> wow. I was like, I'm like no, you should have told me that before no, I even I'm glad he didn't tell me that before. I would have been sweating. You understand me? But my, my older brother, he was fighting from behind the bars. You understand me? Because he already had, you know, different cases that he was fighting. And I remember uh, when I was locked up, um, I think they first got me in Iowa or something. I was traveling through on this bullshit job doing like marketing sales or something um, for a summer job in college. It was it was the worst. And I remember the cops pulled up on me and they ran my name just because some folks called us because we in the neighborhood. It's an all-white neighborhood, two black, two black men. Let me cut that off. Um, two black men in the neighborhood. And when the cops came, they ran it, and it was a long list, right? And I'm like, no, nah, that couldn't be me. So the cops, they were small-town cops. Like, they cool at the same time. They like, no, nah, this can't be you. Somebody must have used your name. I'm like, yeah, y'all think you're right. Somebody must have used my name. But turn to find out they ran it twice, and it's like, we got to take you in. So they go to the jail, um, take me in. You know, I ended up having to spend like a month and some change there before California came and extradited me. But I remember I was reading this book. It was a fiction book. I read it. It was like a whole movie, you know, when you visualize a book in your head. And it was the first time I had read a fiction book all the way through. Closed that book, and after I looked around, I realized, like, yo, this shit ain't got me no closer to, you know, being free. And I remember when my I got out to California, and my older brother gave me a list of books to read um, every time I used to see him when we were standing trial. And I read books. It was like, you know, The Art of Deception, uh, 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 Strategies of War, different books on law, a bunch of different things that it actually placed my mind to where I can start thinking strategically about how to get out this situation. Mm. 
right? And I remember even started researching things about law and different case law and telling my lawyer as far as different motions he could file. You know, I started reading over the case. And I remember telling him one time, he was like, yeah, I'll try that. He told the judge, and it actually worked and got a, a piece of the case dismissed, right, during trial. And after I beat it, I just always remember thinking about how I never would go back to, you know, just taking in fictional information and not taking information that I could apply towards my freedom of power and then thinking about how, you know, 80% of cases young men end up pleading out. Mm. Not because they're the actually time, guilty, pleading out for lack of resources, you know, or just Scared. a lack of knowledge or fearful. Mm -hmm. But so, I, will, I will say, yeah. though, in defense of fiction, and I read very little fiction in my adult life, too, but in theory, you could learn a lot from a fictional story. And an author, a really truly a skilled author, could create a scenario in mm -hmm. a fictional book that would be instructive and, and, you know, based in reality and teach you a lot. You know, I, I don't really, like, find myself that drawn to it either. But, I mean, I understand why some people do like it so much. I, I agree. You know, I'm just explaining what the mindset was at the time where I really just took it rigid. And like, you really needed, like, yeah. real deal pragmatic Absolutely. information at you that was point. a lawyer. No, I mean, you know, essentially when you find your case, you are a lawyer. Uh -huh. You know, I think that people got to get used to doing things for themselves. Like, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a lawyer, whatever it is, you should also get educated in that area of whatever you're going through to at least assist, right, in your freedom or your health or whatever paradigm of subject it is. Right. Because, I mean— when you think about this, this is my problem with the streets, I guess, is because like when you really look at like a young man who makes a decision to do something like go commit an armed robbery to get a couple thousand bucks or, or sell weed to make some money or whatever. It's yeah. like I know exactly what they're doing because I was in that place in my life, too, which is that you want to get to the point where you have some real capital to work with financially. You don't want to have to spend your life fucking slaving away in a target or whatever. So you decide that you're going to try to skip ahead in the game a little bit by doing one of these fast cash grab type moves you know and then in reality though that that does occasionally work for some people but then if you get caught it's like it immediately takes you and from square one to like square negative 20 where like all of a sudden you have a criminal record you might have jail time you're gonna pay fines lawyer fees all this shit basically makes your entire life way more of a struggle and you would have been way better off working at 7-eleven but it, when you're young and filled with testosterone, it's very, very hard to see that those are the stakes of the game that you're actually playing. Yeah, and sometimes people, you know, <clears throat> even with that, they got other conditions, you know what I mean? Like, I got homeboys, they're like, man, my mama, we about to get evicted. We, we got to mm -hmm. do something. And, you know, you don't have a, a male figure in the household to look up to. So, you you know, you may be 14, 15, 16, you the man of the house, and you take it upon yourself to be like, you know what? I got to go get this money. I got to make this stuff happen. And then get lost to the system, man. It's a messed up thing. Environment stronger than nature. So, you know, I think that it's everybody nature to be good, but your environment start to dictate your circumstances, how you think, what influences you, right? When you think about your options, your options is really only what you got in your head. You understand mm -hmm. me? There may be a million options in the world, but you only going to choose from what you know. Right. right. So if nobody educates you or exposes you or mentor you, when you think about getting money, you go choose from a small list of options. Right. And so, therefore, the, the streets lose just because there's not enough options and exposure in the streets. It's, mm. it's a limited belief system. It's a limited thinking because it's limited exposure. If you're only exposed to the types of money making schemes that people have in the streets, for sure, yeah, you're like basically putting yourself consistently. Like every every money scheme in the streets is basically one that has 
jail on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there are some things like you could be kind of become like a T-shirt dealer. There's a lot of legal businesses that people in the streets basically are doing, you know, buying a fucking local store or whatever. But buying a local store and and grinding out a profit over years and years is like a way different business model than getting somebody to front you a key of coke right and saying like as a kid like i ain't never thought about buying no store you know because the capital requirements you just would (laughs) need like a hundred grand probably more our influences are the guys that we seen with the you know i'm seeing homeboys with with bmw 745s and they drive in the neighborhood they getting all the girls and it's like that's who i want to be like you know what i mean they like hey are we gonna help you we're gonna put you on and you know somebody like a, a og suicide like i used to see him getting money in the hood and i used to be like damn like they getting it over there. I want to be like that. And you don't have nobody in your household telling you, like, you know, do this and do that or, like, a, a strong male figure. Uh, you know, like, a lot of our homes, man, where we come from, they broken. But that's what yeah. kids love to just, like, focus in on the positive and ignore the negative the same way that I knew white kids who watched American History X and mm. were like, oh, hell yeah, white power, that's sick. And ignore the fact that if you watch the whole fucking movie, it's a movie about how becoming a racist is a really, really bad use of your life. <laughs> but I saw kids I went to school with who saw that movie and were like, fuck yeah, Hitler. You know, it's like kids are fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, consequences don't feel immediate. You understand I me? Mean, you start to think towards gratification and reward. Right. You know, like for me, growing up in Oakland, I had the dichotomy of both, right? Seeing the streets, but then also seeing the black Muslims that actually had things, mm. right? Like, first motorcade I seen was black Muslim men in all suits riding down Oakland, you know, and they actually own things, right? Like, own the buildings, own their own schools and, and health services and things of that nature. So I got to see both. So I think my exposure already, you know, made me start thinking about my opportunities different. Mm. You know, like, even if... In my environment, I wasn't being properly geared because, you know, you're still in the streets. Growing up in Oakland and St. Louis, you're going to get the the best of worst worlds. You understand me? It's like whether you're going back and forth between Oakland and St. Louis. St. Louis is crazy. Oakland is crazy. But at the same time, having that exposure changed my paradigm. You understand me? Like, And that's the, the big thing. You know, you got cats in L.A. that never leave, <laughs> right? If you take them out the country, it's impossible for them to think the same again. Right, because once something is expanded, you got to fill that space, and it don't contract. I remember when I moved here and realized that half of y'all never been to the beach. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck? You live like yeah. thirteen blocks from the beach, well, and you I don't got, go there?" And it's good trauma therapy. And I know guys, I know guys, bro, who won't come to Hollywood. Mm. You know what I mean? Like some uh, some guy, older guys I grew up with, I'm like, "Hey, come to Hollywood, come to the club, mess me one day." They're like, "Nah, that's too, it's too yeah, far." It's too like, far on the highway. They, they feel like you know they get jittery. They're like, "No, nope, yeah. I ain't coming out there." Like. Yeah. All right. You get you just get accustomed, and I know what it's like to not travel and see and, and not see the world and things like that. Like you know, at one point in time, I used to think my square block on Caldwell and Compton was was the end all be all. I thought I was gonna be there forever, die there forever. I thought my granny was gonna be there forever. Like you know, what I'm saying until you started expanding and you got other people to help you out and you start seeing the world, you like. This shit is so small, man. There's so much you can do. You know what I mean? And having problems in the neighborhood, it's like I can literally take a plane and get a two-hour plane flight, right. and all my problems that I think is just weighing down on me can go away. Yeah, I mean, and and, and even your enemies, right? Because your enemies usually don't have resources. You understand me? So when you move outside a particular distance, they ain't got resources outside them distance. Mm-hmm. Your problem is usually only in a certain radiance. 
right? Outside that radiance, all of this shit in your world don't exist anywhere else. And the irony is that most people who have like enemies and like gang situations or whatever is like those people are about as similar to you as you could possibly Man. imagine. In a lot of situations, they live like a half a mile away from you. Down the street. They wear the same clothes as you. They hang out with the same chicks. They, they do everything the same. But for some reason, like this is because that, that I heard an argument the other day about like is a mixed multicultural society more likely to have problems than a society that's very very uniform in the sense of like two examples if you had a country that's all black people or if you had a country that's some black and white people who who would have more conflict now on one hand you say like well black people and white people have many different cultural things right so maybe they're gonna have more conflict but i mean in reality when you look at chicago or la it's not black people and white people killing each other. It's yeah, fucking mm-hmm. very much within people's own groups. And you could kind of imagine. So I think that that argument's bullshit, that like multiculturalism causes violence. Yeah, I don't think that that's what causes the violence. I think the, you know, classism, the, the poverty rates, you understand me, education rates, right? How the environment is developed, all of that is what causes the violence, right? Mm-hmm. The violence is just proximity. If you got... If you, you take that same multicultural and you put them in poverty, then they go cause crime against each other. It's so true. then the crime rate is going to be higher against black and whites because they live in proximity of each other. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't think it has particularly to do with race in that particular perspective, because the people at the at the top, they trickle down affect the issues. Mm-hmm. You understand me? Like when you look historically across America, you can find the root of an issue. And I think a lot of people just look at the cause. Or, or in the effect of it. But the root is where everything starts. Anytime a doctor want to diagnose something or they want to create a vaccine for a virus, they go try to find the root. Where did this this virus emanate from? Because mm-hmm. now you have all of the ingredients to be able to fix the problem, right? And so when you're looking at societies, you're never looking at the people that's caught up in it. You're looking at what causes the root of the issue, mm-hmm. right? Most hoods in America... Once you educate people, you automatically change the way they think and the way they go go about problem solving, where they go go about conflict resolution, right? Because now they have more options that they trained on when they think about how can I solve my issues, mm. right? If I want to make money, money is money be screaming at people all day long. You understand me? Like you you have to try hard not to make money. You have to be good at, you know, procrastinating. Right. Because you go online, somebody trying to say you're a course to make money, right? Yep. YouTube saying you can make money. TikTok saying you can make money. Somebody saying you can get trucking to make money. I seen somebody was breaking down the ambulance services on Earn Your Leisure on how to make money. Money is being screamed at people in a million different ways. You understand me? And at some point in time, if a person really has ambition, they go pick one of them ways and they go choose. In the hood, though, those ways weren't there, right? So when you see drug dealing, you see pimping, you see what a, a, a robbery, you see you know breaking entrant. Those are your options. So you go choose from those options. So it's like I, I empathize with anybody that grow up in the streets and that have limited exposure because I understand what creates who you are, and that's often from your childhood. You understand me? Mm-hmm. Like if you go and see an adult man who making bad decisions. He was trained that way from when he was a child. Right. And, and that's why, like, I, I kind of, like, uh, I feel bad for, you know, our older people, you know what I mean, our grandparents, our mothers and stuff, because, like, they didn't grow up at a time where all these opportunities were presented Yo, to that's them. that's a fact. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, right now, my mom, you know, my little brother lives with me, and he's he wants to be independent. He wants to do things his way. And my mom, like, 
she can't see it. And she tells me like, hey, tell him that what he's trying to do, like, it, you know, have a plan B. And I'm like, nah, mom, he can literally do this now. Like, mm -hmm. you should tell me, stop playing the video games. You can't get paid for video games. With now me, we can yeah. get paid to play video yeah. games and we could do things like that. And it's kind of messed up because it's like, um, we would be far, I think our people would be farther ahead if our parents had those type of opportunities. It'd be more businesses and stuff like that. And it was like, you know, our grandparents grew up at a time where it was like, all right, you get a job, you go to school, you get a job, you know, you 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 wake, you retire, and then, you know, you get to live, what, 10, 15 years yeah. the way that you want to live, and then you go, and then you teach your kids that too. It's like, all right, you go to school, you get married, you live this way. It like, and my uncles and them too, they tell me all the time, like, I had dreams of doing stuff. It just, it just, how was it going to happen? It was no way available for them unless they were going to like literally leave home and just go do right. some other shit. And it's like, like you said, shit is just screaming at you now. You can right. literally do anything. You can eat food online and get paid for the shit now. That's it don't make no sense. <laughs> but what do you, what do you say to the dude who isn't like the charming YouTube friendly creator who everybody wants to see eat food? Because yes, <laughs> it's dope for that person. Because, okay, if you want to be a successful content creator, like No Jumper has 4 million subscribers so that we could pay, you know, 10 hosts, you know? So it's like, it's a very like outsized reach, whatever, like the top Twitch streamers, they might have, you know, 10,000 people watching them at any given mm -hmm. time way more than that 100,000 just for them playing a video game themselves it's like it's kind of easy to imagine how if you have that sort of star power how you can make a living on social media one but I think it kind of goes under discussed is like what are the opportunities or how do you speak to somebody who is maybe more of just like a regular person who wants to yeah. make something out of themselves like what, what are your thoughts well, to them? number one everybody that working no jumper is not in front of the camera this is true. And there's many more jobs behind the camera. And, and, and the beauty of it is, you know, I always say everybody got their genius, right? I think the word genius is probably the most misappropriated word in history because, you know, it used to just mean like a person pulling out whatever in their spirit that's attached to the creator. You understand me? Like whatever you got that you can bring out, that's your genius. So a person can be behind the camera and they're a genius at that. And the person in front of the camera has a genius, charismatic quality and a great speaker. But you could never do what that genius does behind the camera. Right. Right. But we don't look at them as equal. Right. We give one more value than the other. So therefore, people don't truly place the proper value on what their genius is. So they don't really develop that because they feel like one particular style of talent is better than the other. But, you know, one of the things I like to teach is. Number one, learning your personality type and your intelligence type, mm. right? Like everybody don't even know what their type of intelligence is. That story I told you about school, you know, I'm a deductive learner. You understand me? I like to deduce information and break it down and I can infer things. That's just the way I think, right? We got a society that don't know how to learn, that don't know themselves. When you start from yourself, then you build outward. Like mm. I don't like being, in, if you a type of person, I don't like being in front of the camera. I'm not the greatest speaker in the world. So you automatically go cut out all of the jobs that's going to force you to do something you're not good at. Mm -hmm. Because when you grow up in the hood, oftentimes a person may go towards a career or a goal that's actually in their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Right? Like you want to be a rapper, but you're not good at rapping. Or you're you like, you're, you're, you don't have the fucking star power. I you see it all the time it. where somebody wants to be a rapper and I look at it, I'm like, bro, you could barely fucking talk into the camera. Like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this is not for you. But, but there's so many ways to make money. You could goddamn be a truck driver or mm -hmm. you can goddamn go buy a truck. Now, you can't just start off with a truck, of right. course. 
but you know, getting your CDL license is something you can do. You can do be a graphic designer. You can go look at the list of all of the things that's on Fiverr. Those are all jobs that people are doing behind the scenes. But do you buy into mm. the narrative that Fresh and Fit is out here pushing, which is that if you're a truck driver or a custodian or whatever, that you ain't getting no pussy because all these bitches are money hungry Miami bottle rack groupie fucks. <laughs> that's the message I've learned from watching some of the Manosphere. Now, I know some brothers that drive trucks that, you know, they do amazingly well. I think the issue with, like, people that's in that area is they don't know how to make it look sexy a lot of times, mm. right? Truck drivers have some of the worst diets, right? That's a good point. So I was, I was talking with my bro, Alex. Shout out to Alex Good Energy. I say we need to start a program where we teach dr truck drivers. We give them a fitness program. You understand me? So you can actually change the persona of how truck drivers are perceived. Damn. So now you think about a truck driver, they muscular and they healthy. That changes because that's a bro that's making two, three hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm. Now all of a sudden that's a viable option. I think it's the you know, oftentimes you become a truck driver, you go put on a flash shirt, put on a trucker hat, and then you fall into the paradigm of what a truck driver is. Mm. It's like even what I do as an educator, as a thought leader, this is not something that was just automatically seen as, you know, a popular or sexy idea. It's something that you have to create for yourself. So I think it's up to this generation to kind of give a makeover or whatever their industry is. Mm. You understand me? And then women go go to that once they see a man, you pulling up, you ain't always in your truck. Right. You understand me? You ain't always doing whatever your profession is. But outside of work and how you make that work look actually counts. Right. Because now you're no longer placed in that category. But just in general, like people these days, it feels like a lot of girls have this real aversion to a guy with a regular job, regular job. Yeah, or even, even a guy who like owns a small business. We've all seen these clips of girls on social or on podcasts and stuff saying that a guy needs to make $2 million a year or whatever. How do you see that? What is, what is this disease that has infected the minds of so many young people that they think that who you mate with is basically dependent on like their financial status and not you building something with them? Well, I ain't gonna lie, man. Social media and podcasts ruin the game for a lot of people. Um, just because it gives people false expectations on what value is. Mm -hmm. You understand me? It's like the moment that you equate value to what a man has instead of who he is, you're already losing. You understand me? Because who he is is how he going to treat you. You understand me? And what your future going to look like. What he has is not going to make you happy, right? That's going to attract you, but it's not going to keep you. So, But unfortunately, there are a lot of women who live in a delusion of what value is. You understand me? So they had passed up. It was a preacher that was giving, it was, it was a, a woman giving a breakdown. She said it was the five floors that they take, they take a woman through. On the first floor, she said, you know, um, here are all the honest men in the world, right? She said, now, every time you go to a floor, you can't come back down the next floor. Okay. And she said something to this. the effect, yeah, <laughs> you go to the second floor, these are honest men, you know, and tall. Right. <laughs> and then she said, you go to the third floor, these honest men tall and they got money or something of that nature. Right. Right. And then you go to the, the other floor. She say, is honest men tall, got money and always going to treat you right. And it said the lady is giving her the option that you can keep going up. And they're like, I ain't going to lie. This is a lot. That is a good visual representation of what dating is like yeah. and how fucking treacherous it is for women. Because as you go up, like you might find a guy who has all the right characteristics and then he gets hit by a bull yeah. and he's dead. And then you got to find another one. But you, 
you you have to deal with the rest of the pyramid where they might not have all these attributes and it's like at some point do you settle on one of the lower rungs or do you spend your whole life searching knowing that there's basically a big old fucking shot clock on the wall saying <laughs> hey one day you're gonna be 39 and you ain't gonna be able to make a baby anymore and then peep game the last the last floor so she chose to go up to the floor and they say this floor only exists to prove that you cannot please women mm -hmm. no matter what you understand me? So this is where a lot of women are existing on that There's floor A lot of right chicks now. are on that top floor. They on that <laughs> top floor five. right now. They pass down all of the good men with all of these qualifications to look for some shit that don't exist. Right. Right? Like, I'm of the 1.001%. You understand me? I don't plan on practicing polygamy, so therefore, you know, you may want a man like myself, but you're not going to be able to get that because right. that's rare. Right? It's certain things in the world that are just rare. Right, but we've made rare become a standard as far as what you want. So therefore, you walking around with a disillusion as far as what's actually available to you. Right. So you can't make your choices based on what's not available, on, on your dream idea. Most people live in fantasy land, and a lot of people get that whole Disney World shit mm -hmm. where you think about happy ending Prince Charming. Mm. That's made a lot of young girls disillusioned, and they carry that into adulthood on what they believe the perfect partner is. And then you got hip-hop and culture that creates this synonymous towards everybody can have a baller, that so-called eight figures, you understand me, and go treat you forever great, but also you got to be a street nigga that got principles <laughs> of a good man. You understand me? And that just don't exist. Right. So you got to first, like women, if they ever want to find a good man, they got to change what they attracted to. And the fucked up thing is that the further you go up that pyramid the guys who are good looking and have money and are famous and, and et cetera, those are like the number one guys that might be like, yeah, maybe I don't want to be in a relationship right now. Maybe I would rather just fuck whoever. So as you get further up the pyramid, options. it becomes more of a all challenge. Yes. Yeah, you got all the options in the world. Like, it, here's the most dangerous thing. This is, this is one people don't empathize with, you know, men specifically, but women too, is that, our grandparents, they had, you know, possibly had long marriages and shit and great grandparents and before that, but they didn't have social media. Mm -hmm. Social media <laughs> gave men the options of kings and emperors, yeah. right? But the difference between kings and emperors, they all have concubines. They would have different kingdoms with different women and that would be seen okay because of the enormous pressure, responsibility and power that they have. Uh. But today that exists to where you basically, you know, now you have a database with all of the most beautiful women in the world. And if you so choose, you can actually go send them a message. And they may just reply. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Then you have women that's going to market themselves to you, right? They got their ass out. They got their titties out. They, matter of fact, they go pay to get their body done to get your attention. Right. Right? So now you got young men who oftentimes ain't grew up with fathers, masculinity at an all-time low, don't have no game, don't know how to actually deal with women, and then you throw in social media – this generation has the hardest responsibility of staying focused and being in monogamous relationships. And, and the market is fucked up because <clears throat> now women have so much power and they can easily like shoot for all the guys who are basically at the top of the right. totem pole yep. of guys. So what happens to the guys who are, you know, acne ridden, fat, not bad personality, they don't have money, they etc. What happens to them? Life was already hard for them. Life was already hard for them when I was a kid. But nowadays it's way worse because my grandparents, they lived down the street from each other. And that was normal at the time. It used to be that like ninety percent of people married somebody who lived within like a couple miles of them. You know? That's now that's not doesn't need to be the case anymore. And so what happens to all these fucking dudes who are considered basically like not 
of value in the sexual marketplace where they turn into fucking weird ass incels, school shooters, mm. crazy fucks. There's a lot. There's a mental health crisis for young men. Podcasters. that Podcasters, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> yeah. But there's a mental health crisis that I think is kind of ignored and it's ignored because the, the fucking feminist world that we live in doesn't want to be like, oh, men's mental health is important. We should be paying attention to what they're going through. And, and that's the reason why I think everybody made Kevin Samuels the villain. Mm. It's like, hey, you know, he's if you put a man and you say, hey, I want Beyonce and you don't have these qualifications, everybody going to say, you can't never get Beyonce. You this, right. you this, you that. But when you flip it and you say, hey, well, you got this guy that's Jay-Z and every woman feels like, I got what it takes to get Jay-Z. And they might not want actual Jay-Z, but, but they want someone who somehow embodies like most of the attributes of yeah. Jay-Z. <laughs> but, but then at the same time, women got it bad because of, you know, because of the new feminist movements, because of the new waves of what's taught as freedom, what's taught as sexual freedom, what's taught as liberation. You know, a lot of these things are more oppressive towards their overall happiness in the long run. You understand me? Like, you may... Get a career, you go masculize yourself because oftentimes in those environments, you don't have a lot of men stepping up. So women said, no, nah, we're going to go for the careers. We're going to go for the money. But now you got the career, you got the money, but you're so, you're so masculine in the energy that you put off, a man don't want you. Right. You understand me? Like, cause, cause man, we visual. We not looking at a woman for what she has. Mm. You understand me? That's not what's gonna attract me to you. But if my advice, if I were to be advising a woman, what I'm gonna teach my fucking daughter is. The only way that you're going to be able to escape the fucking the way that men just have so much control in society is for you to build something on your own. Like you're going to have to really create some sort of value in your own life that goes way beyond your body or your looks, because if that's all you have, then you're constantly going to be under the control of the people making decisions based on those things. I can agree with that, um, especially to a certain extent, because. You know, when you pick a woman, like, what are you really going after? You want somebody that's going to bring you some peace, mm. right? So of all the things that a woman can build is herself. Right. You understand me? When you find a woman who, you know, let's be honest, got that, that, that ain't got hella bodies under her belt, you understand me, that come from a certain household where she got that feminine energy, that nurturing quality, you understand me? She's soft-spoken. She knows how to help the person that she's with. They go bring you so much peace in heaven, you want to give her the world mm. because you know that nobody else in the world go have you like that woman, right? So for for her benefit, yes, you know, have some things to where you can have more control and you can pick a better quality of men because it's not based on survival. Yeah. You understand me? And that's the difference because a lot of women have to choose men based on survival. And we know a lot of women who realistically they're they're in relationships with some dope rapper or whatever and then either the rapper goes to jail or his career falls apart or they just break up and then she's basically left high and dry. She's fucking yeah, in her late thirties and she ain't got shit to fall back on. And that's a, that's a rough situation to be in. So, I mean, that's, that's just my advice to women. And I feel like it's a lot easier for me to respect a girl if she's building something, if she comes along with something like when you see somebody like a, like a little Dirk whose girl's got money and she's got her own thing going and he ultimately knows that if she left him, She's going to be fine. Right. You know, like she's going to be all right. She probably likes being in this relationship and everything, but she's going to be all right. And that creates like a real 
level of stability, I think, in a relationship because you can't just write her off. In a relationship where yeah. I have all the money and all the power, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're a girl, you don't want to be in that fucking situation because I get to call the shots on everything and you don't really have anything to bring to the table. That, that's a yeah. bad place to be in. And a woman a, should always have some money for herself. And yeah. as a man, I want to, I want somebody that I can depend on. You know what I mean? If it's not financial, other things, because let's be real, shit happens. You know what I'm saying? If, if the... The show was to stop tomorrow. I may be fucked up. You know what I mean, I would want to be able to lean on you until I can get myself together and shit too. And a lot of women they don't think like that nowadays. Yeah, no. Even in the Quran, it teaches that you know a woman should have her own account. You understand me? Like mm-hmm. no, because anything can happen. You understand me? Regardless, it may be your fault, it may be his fault why something don't work out, but regardless, you should never be dependent upon that situation to determine the outcome of your life, especially for your children as well. So mm-hmm. I think that. You know, when a woman already comes with something, she got more chips at the table because now the man can decide to say, listen, well, I want to take care of you. Well, now he has to replace the value that she already has. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like when I went to uh, South Africa, I was giving a story about the, um, the Zulu, the Swaziland people. And he was explaining, like, if I want to take another wife under my household, I have to give dowry to the family and I have to already have a house set up. Mm. You understand me? Because otherwise that family can already provide our house. Right. So it has to be a financial thing. Right. And it's a business transaction. I think when you look at. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Like marriage and relationships as only love, that's when you lose. Mm. Because it has to be a logic there. It can't just be love because you can fall in love with anybody. Mm. You understand me? Like you can slip up being in the right, right place at the right time and all of a sudden that chemistry of love starts to create that storyline of love. But it's interesting how in America that idea, like the idea that the 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 husband's family should have so much to give to the, to the woman's family or whatever, it's like – in our society, that would be very much looked down upon because a relationship really is supposed to be based on love and yeah, not a financial investment. But okay, picture yourself as a dad, and you're you know twenty. Your, your daughter's in her early twenties or mid twenties, and she brings a guy home, and she says, "This is my new fucking boyfriend," and he's bringing nothing to the table, <laughs> nothing. Like he's a nah. broke fucking bum doing jack shit with his life. I mean, you're gonna be the dad, kind of sitting there thinking, and you're gonna be thinking like. Why? Why? Why this guy? Like he's not bringing any. Like, and maybe you could see the vision that she sees. Maybe you could say, like, I, I believe in his talent. He's going to be a a big deal in the near future. Maybe, 
But I mean, realistically, a woman is looking for a guy to bring more stability to their life, especially once Absolutely. they reach a certain point in their life. When they are young and chaotic, when they're still in college, whatever, they, they don't really care as much about if a guy has money or whatever. It might just be that you got a nice body and she wants to fuck you, whatever. But by the time a girl gets to the point where she's facing the reality of like, oh, I went to college and now I'm making $35,000 a year. I'm going to need a motherfucker to lean on, you know? If, if a man don't have nothing, he don't need a woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, you only get a woman when you need help with what you got. You understand me? It's like, if you got a business and y'all not bringing in no income, it's not growing, you don't need to hire more employees. Mm. You understand me? That's a, a, a woman is a helpmate. That's the growth factor in your business to multiply what you already got. So if my daughter brings home a, a man that has nothing, then I know, number one, she don't need him because he don't need her. Right. You understand me? If he don't have a vision... He don't have something that's big, encompassing that he's working towards or that's already going. Then he need to come back and build something. Then he can come court my daughter. But it's interesting though because okay, if your daughter got no kids, but you know. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> I have a two year old, so I barely have any right to talk got, about this. I got a daughter; she's thirteen, and I'm like, you got the coming, one. She gonna be an adult coming, right around coming, the corner. Around the corner. But okay, if your daughter's thirteen or 14, 15, 16, and she has a boyfriend and he ain't on shit, it's like, well, you're in fucking high school. Like, it's not surprising that you you don't have shit going for you. But then by the time you even and that's like that's the pressure on a young man is that by the time you're even like 20, 21, 22, people expect you to have something going on for yourself, and that's a lot yeah. of fucking pressure. I, yeah, I think that's a uh, that's that's not a good narrative for young men, mm -hmm. you understand me? Because even in a society, men are supposed to develop all of these things before they get into a relationship, right? So, like, you got to have a career. You have to have social presence, right? You got to have a certain level of value, we don't associate that same equivalence to women as far as how men are attracted to women. If she looks beautiful and she's good for me, then come on, I want her. Mm. You understand me? But for men, there's a lot more value we have to create, but we are also different. I think the, the problem is, is that young men don't have mentors and they don't have guides because it's not a lot of pressure, right, when you really think about it. It's just the fact that, you know, they say over the last 50 years, testosterone has consistently decreased. Mm. Now, that can be because that... We, number one, we don't have to do as many rigorous things as men anymore. That's Life what I was is thinking, very yeah. comfortable. Less of us working in a field. Whereas right. I assume that if like I was doing construction all day, I would probably have a higher testosterone level. Right. But there's a lot less people having to do those kind of jobs now. Exactly. Right? So, but at the same time, men are weaker, physically weaker, mm -hmm. right? But it also comes along with less testosterone, less fecundity in the mind, less ideas you produce, and less vision that you haven't. So it's not just a physical thing, it's a mental thing, right? It's like if you got, like, there's a direct connection between fecundity or of having like less swimmers and then it's fecundity of the mind with having less ideas mm. so now young men may be producing less ideas less ambition in the world to actually go produce and do things because society tell young men tap into your feminine side right be basically they promote soft life for men and hard life for women mm. you understand me you gonna be the breadwinner now you gonna be the leader now women are turning and saying that no we want soft life we tired of showing up, especially black and brown women showing up and having to be tough and independent. So that changes the complete spectrum of the game. But if young men were reared right and trained right, they could deal with the so-called pressures of the world. That wouldn't feel like nothing, mm. right? Like that little pressure you go through, that is actually a qualifying spectrum for a man, right? How he deals with that stress, how he deals with those dark periods. Because when you think about most men, you go, they go build themselves based on the adversity they went through. You understand me? Like, that's how you know a man is somebody, like a man that's living at his edge. 
if a man ain't living at his edge, he not even get respected by his peers. Real shit. He not respected by his circle. He not going to be respected by himself because he knows, like, damn, this is what I'm doing. But honestly, I know I could be doing this. Right. Right? And so a lot of males today not living at their edge. They not able to deal with adversity. Don't have emotional intelligence or mentors or guides. So if you bring those things back into the fold, it's going to increase their attractiveness tenfold to their women because of how they move and how they deal with the world. 100%, yeah. Lupe, Lupe Fiasco, he said, uh, struggle, another sign that God loves you. I used to hear that. I used to be like, man. Yeah. He's gaslighting you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but, but I, like, I like to think, like, all the trials and tribulations that we go through at mm. the time, it may seem like it's overwhelming, but, like, that's what really builds character, and that's the lessons that we get in life. Because, all right, I remember I was reading an article about some actor or some shit, and he's talking about the worst thing he ever went, the most miserable time period of his life. And it was like somebody wrote an article about him, and there was, like, a couple hundred, like, negative tweets about him out there. And I was reading it like, <laughs> I so cannot relate to this because the worst periods in my life were so much worse than what the fuck you're talking about. But yeah, yeah. Th that is you becoming a fucking rugged individual who's able to actually withstand stuff. And especially, like, I, I'm not gonna, I said this yesterday on the podcast. I learned a lot from watching Donald Trump. I learned that everybody in the fucking world can be shitting on you and you don't have to care. You can just keep going and fucking be, be a piece of shit and just be like, fuck it. I don't whatever care what y'all say. Whatever you give energy to. Yeah. Yeah, man, whatever you give energy to grows. You feel me? Like most things in people's life, you can just tell by what they pay attention to. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it don't exist if you don't. I was telling somebody this earlier. I was in a car freestyling. We was on live with my little brother and somebody. Most of the comments was really good, but you know, you always notice the the one person that's talking shit and they was like, yo, this is whack. You need to stop. And I was telling them like, the person that watches fully, what you do is giving the same amount of love and attention as a person that loves it. Hmm. So it don't matter. I will be mad if you wasn't on this live. If right. you wasn't watching it, because then you wouldn't be supporting me. But as long as you show up, you did your job already. Your opinion and your perspective matters little. Your presence is your support. You understand me? So for me, it's like even dealing with hate or things of that nature, I'm okay with that because that's a fan too. You understand me? It's, it's just they have a different perspective on how they express their fandom. That's real. I got a question. When did you really start getting to the bag in terms of your life story? When did you actually really start making something for yourself? How did this unfold? So, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've been hustling since I was a kid from goddamn shoveling to doing hustles with my brother dough to dough. Like, you know, I sold weed in high school. And, you know, um, even after that, I think it gave me a mentality of how to make money. So I've always knew how to make money. There's never a period in time in life where I didn't know how to make money, something out of nothing, right? But when it comes to the platform, you know, I had a store in Oakland after I had fired my job, you know, um, and I decided to just go for myself because I figured if I can make them millions of dollars, I can do that same thing for myself. Right. Right. You know, I probably did it premature, but, you know, my will was set, though. My spirit was set. So you started your own store? Yeah. That's I how it began? No, no. Nah, nah, it started really from when I started to develop more presence on social media and I could magnify the things that I was doing in real life. Right. Like for me, I ain't start on social media. Right. Everything that I do on social media was something I was doing before. Uh -huh. But I knew I could utilize this to magnify everything that I was doing in right. real life. So more so getting to the back started when I was able to address a large audience problem. And that's when the teaching and the courses, I think. I would say the courses was that I had a program where I still have. It's called BWO. 
At the time, it was called Black World Order. Now it's more blockchain-focused, so it's called Black World Order. But I always had a thing about bringing people together. So I found people in different industries that was already doing good, and I said, well, we can maximize what we're doing if we do it together. Right. Like, collaboration is my spirit, you understand me? Because I know how you can 10x things very fast. But so with the retail store, did that allow you to all of a sudden be able to say to the people, like, hey, come on down, and then all of a sudden you can interact with them and, yeah. and do shit? But shortly afterwards, I ended up losing the store because oh. the person that was leasing it to me didn't want to extend it. Oh. I, don't, I can't tell you if it was jealousy or whatever, because at first that particular store that I was leasing from, it was known for his spot at first. Okay. But then it got kind of jumping, and then it just became my presence there, my energy signature. Okay. So, But, you know, hindsight, it's a blessing, right? So I end up, you know, continuing that brand. Like I had a Crowns. I've, I've sold tens of thousands of these at this point. You know, you um, made that. Yeah. Interesting. So the crowns, I have a, a health supplement business where we have nootropics and things of that nature. I got y'all some some as well in my bag. I'm going to bring y'all. Nice. Um, that was a family business that I started because everything that I talk about, I have to build a business or something behind. Right. So I always tell people, do business with family. Only time you can't do business with family is if they dysfunctional because if they dysfunctional, they don't know they rose. Right? But family business rule the world. So family business, we started Goldwater, and that started off profitable. You understand me? So that's a consistent business. I got the Crown Society. That's a consistent business. Then it's just me as 19 Keys as a brand, right? And then getting hired for speaking and things of that nature. Then I got my educational programs, right, where we teach financial literacy, blockchain, mindset, digital real estate, all of those different things that encompass. And that program had grew to 10,000-plus students, right? Right. And different iterations of, you know, creating different programs over time to address the niches of things that I was talking about and then creating, like, group coaching programs to actually teach people one-on-one to get them results. Because mm-hmm. I'm big on results. Right. So what does what the, the coaching look like? Because sometimes now there's, like, a bad rap that comes along with the whole coaching thing because yeah. it seems like a lot of dudes, you know, Andrew Tate famously has this whole, like, a Hustlers University yeah. thing. And I, I, I can't speak on what the content is like. I've, yeah. I've seen a YouTube video where somebody was basically saying that it's trash. Or like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's all kinds of different influencers with all kinds of different levels of their courses. But w- what's your approach on it and how, pr- how useful you think it really is? So the difference between a course and a coaching program is a course is basically you create a module where you teach a thing that can be like evergreen, right? right. Let's say if I'm doing intro to cryptocurrency, teaching you how to set up your wallet, what it is, what's the history, what's the basics, right? So if you want to know something and you don't want to have to go do all the research and you want it packed up, a course is great for you, Right. So in that case, hell yeah. And then a coaching program is basically that same information, but a person is one-on-one teaching you and taking you through those steps. Mm. Like my framework is, you know, society starts off, especially early in days, it was motivation. Motivational speakers, they try to encourage you to do something, usually using a voice or whatever examples, analogies they can give. Then it was more inspirational. I'm going to show you what I do to try to inspire you and make you want to do similar to the same. That's my leadership. Then it became education. Now I'm going to teach you what I'm doing, right? And then it goes from, damn, you figure that most people are not good learners. 
right? So education system messed us up where we don't actually know how to learn. We only know how to memorize things. Mm -hmm. So education had to turn into instruction. I got to sit there and do more coaching and give you step by step to make sure you actually get the results that you're paying for. Right. But that requires more time so you will have charged more because you can't teach or coach the whole world at once, yeah. right? And then we got this step now called automation where let me automate the process. It's like instead of teaching you trading, we'll set up a bot for you. Or you want to set up a, a, a trucking business, we'll automate that process instead of you learning it and have to go do the paperwork yourself. Mm. So now we have aspects of it that are courses, that is coaching program, and some of it that's automation, uh -huh. right? Like giving you the signals on which trades to take and things of that nature. Right. So for me, Iterating, and, and I think education is probably it's, it's one of the growing biggest growing enterprises right now in sectors. Like, everybody should get into education. If you have a skill set of something that you know, you should teach it. Me, I've been in front of the people for the last 10 years, so mm -hmm. I got a different level of trust. Right. Like, if I put out a new course or a new program, it's like a rapper that don't put out albums a lot. You can't wait till they put out something because oh, really? you know I'm going to give you way more value than you pay for. It's interesting to me because... You know, realistically, if you wanted to learn about cryptocurrency, you could probably go search up a bunch of YouTube videos and find a bunch of information, blog posts, articles, whatever. Mm -hmm. How much does it matter that it's you and that your audience resonates with you and that you're speaking their language? You you know, you you seem like someone that comes from their community, so they're more in tune with what you're saying. Like, how much does that matter? A lot, because we want to learn from people that look like us. We right. want to be around people that look like mm. us. That's an innate human trait. Yeah. You understand me? And being able to speak the language. The language was never codified towards the masses, right? That's how you keep a lot of people out of industry, right? Language is the most powerful thing. You can control people through language. So if you can break things down simple enough, now a whole new sector of people can get into it because now they understand it. Most of the time, people are like, that's a scam or this and that. It's simply because they don't want to learn it. They don't understand it. Mm. Right? So for me, cryptocurrency or blockchain, a lot of people can never get a perspective unless they get it from me because I can interpret from their perspective as well because I can empathize with them. If you, you've got and a lot not of... not just me, but a right. person like myself. But you've got a lot of people in the cryptocurrency. I'm assuming you also have to read some of the messages that are like, oh, shit, I lost 50% of my Coinbase account over the past six months. Well, I don't get those kind of messages because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always teach risk aversion. You right. understand me? Like, there's a risk with everything. I don't teach no pie-in-the-sky teachers. Before anything, I teach you the value of something. Right. Like, the thing about, like, let's say blockchain and Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a blockchain. Mm. I want to teach you the root of it. It is a blockchain. So you got to imagine this is a new technology that came to people, right? But because we're such a capitalist society, we can only see the price. Right. We don't see the value. The value is it allowed you to change the whole world. Right. Because now you can build all of these new systems that weren't normally possible before. That's something you got to look at and say, like, damn, this is the biggest technological shift in the world. Let me try to understand some of this. Right. Because I know that the future is going to be built on these programs that come. Technology don't care about your feelings. But what's the average person going to be able to do with, like, a real understanding of, of Bitcoin aside from it just being, like, a place to hold wealth and investment? So it depends on who you are, right? Because I don't just deal with the average person. I deal with people of all different levels. Right. So, if, like, if you got a business, then you will know what's ahead of the curve, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what's coming next? 
You understand me? And then you start building your business and pivoting accordingly. Right. right? Like, let's say uh, on the blockchain, you can build businesses on there called DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. Right. Right? Like, most of the organizations that you see, you may hear about a crypto business. These are mostly DAOs, and these are what's considered community businesses. If you want to learn, go watch the Logan Paul video about his fucking uh, Pikachu card that you can own a percentage of yeah, uh, fractionalized the, uh, ownership. through a DAO. Yeah, that sort of thing. But but you can turn a DAO and make it anything. No right. jumper can become a DAO where people buy into it and they basically get voter rights to say who they want to see as guest on there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you 100% follow the guidelines of whatever the people choose and decide. Right. So it's a complete community business and they own it, right? And then you can set up the smart contracts to where you can't scam nobody in the DAO because everything is transparent and it's automated. Mm-hmm. Once the rules are set, you can't go back in there and change it. Right. right. So people like DAOs for that particular reason, because it allows you to have completely new business models. So if you're a new entrepreneur or an existing entrepreneur, you may want to add that onto your business. Right. The same thing with NFTs. Now, 90 percent decrease in, you know, uh, um, in uh, activity on a lot of the platforms. But 80 percent of businesses fail. Right. So if you take those same metrics. Creating a project is creating a business. Right. Right? But a lot of people were just creating them to scam folks, so therefore there was no longevity. Well, they were getting money in the short term. But I yeah. think that, like, that almost has to happen. Has in to. Or, and I'm not saying that I see a super bright future for NFTs because I'm sure that there is there are going to be projects that are able to use the technology and embrace it in an intelligent way. But – yeah, I think that you kind of have to go through the scam wave of any new any technology. technology. The same way you had Pets.com and all these bullshit startups yeah. in the 90s and stuff. Those kind of had to get out of the way to make sense or to make room for Facebook exactly. and Google, you know? It, I mean, Internet went the, exang- the same exact phase. Human beings, man, we consistent. Yeah. You understand me? We go through the same loops throughout history. But for me, I always look at what's the value on how I can use it. I don't care about how the market uses it. Right. Right? Like, I got one where it's, the simple fact is it's a... My community, they have NFTs, they can buy the digital version and they get something physical, right? Because I believe in utility and value. But now those same people at any point in time, I can invite them somewhere. I got their data. I can uh, uh, um, create a community membership based around that to where I can give them access to things that nobody outside that can have access to. And now they got a secondary market that they can sell to people that I create value for. Right. Right. So for me, if I'm looking at tools and I'm looking at things that – it's changing in the world, and I'm seeing capital come from corporations pouring in billions. If you teach that game to people on the on the lower floor, they actually can build a quicker infrastructure because they don't have to change everything like a big corporation would. They can just start now and start making profit off of it. Right. So it's different depending on what you want to do with it. Like I don't teach a this is just what you have to do with it. I give you the game. Now you have perspective and options on what you can do with it based on what your goals are. Right, definitely. No, I remember going through like when I first uh, when like the NFT thing came out. I mean, I had like a couple weeks there. It was just like nonstop listening to podcasts and YouTube videos, yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to wrap my head around like, It'd okay, take a while sometimes. You know, what are the options for me? Like, what what could I potentially do with this? And I'm, I'm very glad that I didn't really take any of them in terms of no jumper because I, for a period of time I thought about like we're gonna have an NFT that comes out for every guest. And then I like kind of slowly started to be like, well, like I don't own the rights to their likeness, and how mm. the fuck am I gonna make NFTs? Of- Do you still got your NFT? I still have my punk, and we did lose a little bit of money on it, but you know, it's a long road. Long run, it'd be alright. It'll be alright. I-, I will say though, I don't like those apes. That shit's, <laughs> that shit's ugly. I don't know. Yeah, they had a lot of controversy <laughs> about the apes. I just but don't I like. I will them. say that they 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 created a blueprint 
Yeah. Um, in true. a framework that just never existed before because they created a billion dollar business out of nothing. When I look at what Gary Vee is doing and the Apes, yeah, too, to be brand. fair, what Gary Vee is doing, like the idea that like you basically invest in the creation of this line of characters and then he's going to work hard to, you know, create more value for the, the IP, that makes sense to me. Because in the scenario with NFT, the founder has to be just as incentivized to to care 100%. about the future of the NFT. Because I've seen with Lana Rhodes when she did her NFT collection as a porn star, and then she made a ton of money, and then she she just left it. She all of a sudden wasn't incentivized to really have anything to do with this. She could just withdraw the money and let it go, and that's the absolute wrong mentality. Mm -hmm. And she's the wrong type of person to be involved in this. But I think the way Gary Vee is approaching it, it's a brand. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that if if you go at it as a brand and a business, you're yeah. automatically going to have a long-term plan for it. Right. And the people that are invested into that, because if we look at it, let's just be honest, a lot of these things created new systems where you can skirt around SEC and investing rules. Right. Right? Because you got to have a certain level of criteria to be an investor. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't put it as an investor. These are like more so rewards that you can get to be a part of it. Right. You understand me? And what it does is it creates the opportunity for the average person to take things that's normally for the rich and then they can apply to their business now mm. same way creating your own cryptocurrency was only for the damn treasury or creating your own money is for banks right. now you got decentralized finance where you can decide the rules of how you want to navigate your own money like all of these things just took shit from the top and said that now you got a system to where everybody can do it for themselves right. and that's why they're trying to figure out what rules should we put in place so that the people don't have all the power Cause that was the normal, or that was the essential idea of the blockchain, how to give all the people power and how to decentralize power, where it's not just figures and one percent and families that run everything, but you can actually dictate what reality is. But I would say that there's probably some rules that should be put in place to protect the people as well, because Always. I think a that lot of the, people lost a lot of money. Right, the crypto universe is slowly starting to reveal itself to us as being like a lot closer to the traditional business world in the sense yeah. that Especially there's now. a few people at the top making a shitload of money, and then there's Everybody all you else. dumb fucks at the bottom who are getting screwed, right? Yeah, that's why I only care if we own it. Like, if you don't own it, it don't matter. And I think that's the danger of looking at some of the top companies and some of the top coins and only focusing on them. Mm. If you go through CoinGecko and you go look at the list of all of the coins out there, when you get to the smaller market caps that ain't got billions of dollars, those are the ones that probably got like life-changing technology for the world. But nobody's focused on them because everybody looks at price. And the only way that you're ever going to be able to be someone who can make an intelligent investment into a smaller altcoin and see the value and decide that this is the next Ethereum, the only way you're going to be able to get there is to absolutely bury your fucking head in the information and spend you know countless hours on Google and YouTube learning as much as you can, paying attention to the space. And if people want to make money off of cryptocurrency, I mean, that's what it takes is you have to basically understand cryptocurrency the same way that we understand rap music yeah, you know and, and, you have and, to be such a nerd and so obsessed with it in order to be able to have any kind of hope of having a competitive advantage i, I would say also being a part of communities that, right? and that's probably the fastest way to that's, learn realistically. And, and that's really the best thing about anybody's program is how good is that community right right because when you got people of different varying degrees sharing information with each other now you got a 360 perspective it's basically having a research team if you look at these big funds they got a research team mm -hmm. right they got to make sure that you're not missing anything so you understand the cycles you understand all of these different things then they got bots and automated machines that's giving them signals on things so now you have an edge in the market you 
can't do nothing without an edge. If you don't have an edge, don't get in. Right. But it still is important that the average person at least get a minimum education on these things that's happening in their world. Right. That's like, like even you got blockchain. Like another thing we teach is like artificial intelligence, right? Like one big thing that they got right now is like text to image, right? Have y'all seen that mm-hmm. with like the Dolly and the Mid Journey? Like artists is gonna be wiped out of the business. So if you if you're not keeping up with technology, your pivot may come overnight and you're not going to know what to do because you're going to be relying on traditional means and not realizing that the industries and the technology is changing consistently. Just right. like Blockbuster and Netflix, you know what I mean? Had a chance to buy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Didn't do it and then that Netflix became the way that everybody consumes stuff, you know what I mean? They got into streaming earlier and even now like you said with artificial intelligence, they showing us right now like they're making rappers now. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. they don't need you as a human. They don't have to deal with nobody going to jail. They ain't got to deal with nobody worrying about the contracts. They're making artificial people that and this Absolutely. it's, it's going to keep going. Um, human labor is what built the economy, but now they trying to use technology to replace human labor so they don't need you. Well, every time you go through the self checkout yeah, I mean, they don't want you working there. They don't want to have to. They don't want to have to pay you, bro. Like, they don't want you having a job. No, and people don't want those jobs. You know, right. like yeah, they that's don't. A, that's if a... you're not creative right now, you it's gonna be very hard for you to pivot. Like even when I look at this studio and I look at podcasts, I see creativity. Mm. Right, how you take an existing thing and you think of different ways that you can implement and monetize it. Right, right? but that's not always gonna be taught. You have to be visionary and you have to see it. So if you if your imagination is not solid, like this is this is the most dangerous thing I think about the the hood is that the imagination ain't fostered mm. because if you don't have an imagination, then you can't think outside of your reality, right? You stuck with only what you see, right? And this is why I always teach people from a vision, like let's see the future because you can build whatever you see. Never ask nobody what the future gonna be. Mm. Ask yourself what you want it to be. All my successes in business have always just been because I was paying such close attention to a market that I was able to spot a, a, yeah. a an opening or an opportunity before it became a real exactly. obvious opportunity. You know, I was paying attention to underground rap. I've been paying attention to rap my whole life, but I was paying attention to like SoundCloud rap, and I was already doing podcasts about a different topic at the time that SoundCloud rap and a lot of underground rap stuff was really popping off. And so I was able to put those two pieces together. And that's been it for me over and over and over is just knowing a lot about stuff. And even now, like things that I become super interested in, like I'm very interested in crypto. I fucking watch videos and read articles and stuff like that. I don't really have a a dog in the fight aside Mm -hmm. from, you know, some relatively small crypto investments. But I mean, to me, that's it's going to benefit me in the long run. If I keep listening to podcasts about a certain topic or if I keep learning about something, eventually it's going to pay off in some way. Right. Time in the market pays off more than anything. You feel me? Like just as long as you keep yourself in the game, you solid because then you know when to take a shot. Mm. You understand me? And for me, like. Like I, I I like blockchain, not just crypto, web three or anything. It's just blockchain for me because that's what everything is built on. Mm-hmm. Everybody else subjects it into these different markets. And, you know, you got people who love Ethereum or people who love Bitcoin, right? Like all these things become new religions. So I don't get caught up in none of that. I look at where's the value and how we can create our own reparations. 
You understand me? I don't see nobody giving us a check no time soon. Therefore, we got to figure out ways to write our own checks. Mm. So when I see new technological shifts in 1995, the Me and Matt Marsh was happening, but at the same time, the IPO for Netscape was happening, right? And if we were paying attention and bought Red.com and Pet.com and understand that this technological shift was going to come and make new billionaires, right? But we so, we, a lot of time our community, we focus on survival and making change from oppressive systems. Mm. So we can't think long term because we can only think next week next month well if this change then this can happen but now we are the precipice of reality to where we can think beyond any borders right you understand me like if if we would have if my parents would have bought red.com or any of these things they would have been instant millionaires just mm. by buying digital property right so that same opportunity exists today but if you're not in synchronicity of being present, you can't observe those opportunities. Right. Before Bitcoin went to 70,000, Bitcoin machines was in the hood. They were. Right? But uh, most people are blind to it, don't even see it. So you're not going to ask the question because you're not even thinking to question reality at all. When you're living check to check, it's pretty hard to be like thinking about, well, exactly. this is going to be worth a lot down the or road put all in your the chips in and that's yeah. the best time to think it that's that's the biggest thing about it like when, when people often speak upon people that gotta live check to check when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We, we talk about things that validate the mindset that they have because of their circumstances instead of the exact why that you should be thinking this way because of your circumstances in order to change them. A lot of times I think about what I would do if I could go back in time 10 years. And the, <laughs> the obvious things oh, yeah. are like buy Facebook, buy Tesla, buy Google, whatever. Buy Bitcoin. But that doesn't <laughs> But that doesn't really get you to the end of the question because in reality, if I go back in time 10 years, I don't have a whole lot of money. So it's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy $500 worth of Bitcoin or whatever. Yeah, that would have so, been worth so it still would It still would have been crazy. But no, that tells it, you, though, like it, capital it, is so important, how much money you're able to bring to the table. If you have 20 grand or 100 grand to invest, all of a sudden you could really build some generational absolutely. wealth, which is the tricky part is that, yes, it's dope to be able to have 100 grand to invest but in the meantime for most people they have to worry about well how the fuck do i a I mean, pay the bills and b put aside some other money to invest that's that's true but then also if you go back in those times and go look at the, what apple was at that time right go look at all of these companies you could have took a little bit of capital and put it in there and you'll be up right now this is you, true you would definitely have way more money than you know you have without it and so a lot of it is just opportunity costs mm -hmm. and that comes from a lack of exposure and education if you got people around you teaching you about certain opportunities, it don't matter what your capital is if that opportunity is right right now. Right. But if you don't think long term, then nothing is ever going to compute to make sense for you. Right. You understand? My uncle got me thinking long term, and that changed my life.
because mm. I used to think check to check like everybody else, but he was like, nah. He was doing contracting with the government for like solar panels. Right, but he used to show me checks. He like he'd show me like a hundred thousand dollar check or something. He'd be like, you know, this came from work I did two years ago. Because people who do door to door sales, which is still like a relatively, it's a real thing. Like people actually still do this, even though we've all kind of forgot about it. It used to seem like all the time somebody was knocking on your door to sell you yeah, something, right? But solar fact. panels of all the things that they could sell in the world, they sell solar panels because yeah. that's the thing you can make the most money on. And and you know, average person ain't gonna really get solar panels you right. understand me because that seems too futuristic for him mm. and now elon musk is selling them like hotcakes right. you feel me so you know what 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 a person don't see that's okay everybody is not meant to lead the world and not be the innovators you know as dj cali said everybody not a unicorn but i am right <laughs> but he said if, that i like that <laughs> if, if you can realize that one is that you have and oftentimes it's perspective because mm -hmm. you know my bro wall street trapper and master investor they talk about stocks a lot right and they're able to really reach people that's in the streets because you speak the language wall street trapper go always use analogies from the streets and trapping to relate to how you measure a business performance and value mm. right and that really gets people attention because they realize like damn this investing thing is for me. It was just never mm -hmm. spoken in my language. Mm. So if you create a language outside the context of certain neighborhoods and people's certain cultures, then anytime they hear about it, they feel like it's not for them. Because I remember, like, even me, I grew up in the fucking suburbs, but it's still, like, the idea of buying drugs and then selling those drugs for a profit or, like, stealing something and then selling that, that made way more sense to me early on than, like, oh, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to legally buy product. Like, that just – it took a long Cause, time cause for that to kind of compute reward. in my brain, right? Yeah. That's quicker reward. If I go steal something, it's instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Right. So your brain can already see what the reward is on that. Yeah. And there ain't no foundation behind yeah. it. You got to yeah. keep doing it. A business requires business mastery. Right. It requires an education. It requires you setting up a structure and a system. One of the things that we have as a people that we do brilliant is we excellent. We can come up with ideas on the fly. But most millionaires and billionaires, they're not good at creating ideas. Right. You understand me? They're good at creating systems. Right. Right. And once we learn how to put together systems, then it changes the game. I see cats on there that are making millions of dollars on YouTube, but they can't think of their next idea. Mm. Because most of the time they copycatted something, they took a system, created a funnel, and they made a lot of money. Right. So now they're looking for the next thing to invest. So we have all of the ideas in the world in the hood, but we don't know how to create systems or put investment behind it. Right. This is why I like ideas like Dow's, because you can take, you know, the people in that neighborhood don't have a lot of money individually, but together they have an investment fund. You understand me? And this started off from groups having conversations about investments. There was this one group, I think it's called Pink Dolphin or something of that nature, but it started off them in a group chat talking about investments and saying that, how about we put together a DAO where all our money is connected and then we vote on what we want to put our money at. So they end up buying the crypto punks at an early when they were just a couple thousand dollars. Mm. And then they end up making, now they fund is up to a billion dollars. So you could, create value. A, you could get a DAO to invest rather than like creating a DAO of a particular asset like they do with yeah. certain NFTs. Okay. So the DAO could be anything. They got nonprofit DAOs. They got... You can, it's, it's basically for me, it's, it's, you know, I look at NFTs as new funding tokens, right? But to be able to leverage off your IPO, your intellectual property, right? And, and that's your intellectual property offering. If you look at rappers nowadays with Web3, they don't understand it whatsoever. But they, the things that they complain about is exactly what the infrastructure is Web3 is trying to build.
You go on social media today, if they want to cut off your profile, they can because they own it, mm-hmm. right? But Web3 is saying that nobody owns it, so whatever you create, you own. So if I instead of me going on Instagram and I log into my profile, I will bring my profile to Instagram, right? And now it populates all of the data that I own. So the ideas is more important to people that are the lower class and poorer class. So if you only let the people in the wealthy make that decision, then of course they're not going to make it best geared to you and your situation. And this is why it's important to get people that are more on the ground floor into it so that the infrastructure would be built and customized towards changing their class system. That's mm-hmm. why I like what you do and also Derek Grace. You familiar with yeah. him? Yeah, that's my bro. Yeah, Derek Grace, man, like you see a guy with face yeah, full of tattoos. tattoos, but he breaks stuff down to where, you know, people in the hood can get it. He's like, hey, he's making, I don't know if the video game came out, yeah. but he's like, he's making a video game of trying to educate you. It's supposed you. to come on a couple. I'm in the video game. You I in got, there? I'm a character oh, that's in dope. there. That's yeah. dope. Yeah, but that's, but that's, that's something that, you know, somebody can pick it up and be like, you know what? This is going to make me smarter. He's doing it a way that is cool. Even like, you know, earn learning systems and banking yeah. and everything like that. I was like, man, that's cool. There need to be more people like that. You know what I mean? Like you said, they can speak the language. Yeah. A lot of times when you say IPOs and Web3, they're going to be like, I know. What are, you, <laughs> what are you talking about? But if you put it in a video game, if you break it down with the science of it in a way that we can understand it, everybody's going to do it. It's going to make more millionaires. It's going to make more. You know, the beauty of that, though, is like, I do high-level conversations, so I know certain things will go over people's head. Mm-hmm. But high-level is never supposed to give you the details, right? I'm giving you an opportunity to go do research on new things, and it's going to change your horizon. But I can go through different hoods all across America. I, I have. And what I realize is that we're smarter than we give ourselves credit for. You understand me? Oftentimes, it's always somebody speaking for those that grow up in that poverty line and saying that they can never get this. This is not for them. But social media completely, not just social media, but the Internet changed what people can understand because we got more exposure than any other time in history. I want to ask you this because we've had this conversation many times on this podcast where when I look at what a young person should be doing with their money, every Mm -hmm. time I see a young person smoking a blunt, I cringe a little bit because I'm Mm -hmm. just thinking, especially if I know that they just don't got money like that, I'm thinking – that's a fucking $10 blunt, and you need to be taking every last $10 you fucking got and investing it into building something for yourself, not thinking about sitting here and having a nice little head high for the next <laughs> hour or two. You need to be thinking about your future, and I feel the same way when I watch people who are young and they're saving up to go get a Gucci fit so they can go to a fucking, mo- mo- uh, I don't know, go to a party or something and look cool. How do you feel about that sort of thing? I feel like our culture pushes materialism on people, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that you need to unlearn if you want to be successful, especially when you're at that early period of your life, is that you just cannot be wasting all your disposable income. You don't have disposable income. You need to be right. saving that shit. And if you're – I think that like when I look at like the way you're dressed, aside from the chains, that's, that, that might be a little expensive. But like I, if though. I was a young dude, sure, I would sure. be looking to wear like very simple outfits for the most part where I could invest as little of my money as possible into clothes until I get to that point. Like how, how do you feel about how a young person should think about that? No, you know, I might not be the best example when it comes to dressing sometimes because I ain't going to lie, I do, you know, I put it on. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that your black pants and black shirt are a lot more expensive than the average black pants. You no, know, it's, it's just, you know, it's just regular. They got some, they got some textures and shit. You know, it looks it, expensive. It might be some know. good quality. No, but that's one thing that but, I learned from Derek, too, is like, 
you know, fuck the diamonds, get the gold. Yeah, that's a fact. You know what I mean? So when I see the gold, these are the investments. Raw value. You can take that. You know what I mean? That goes up and down when it's up. Right. You could trade nah, that in. But when it comes to, you know, I think you're correct, especially when it comes to the things that we take in within our body, man, and things that take us away from our mind. You know, like, when I like, going back to Africa, when I went to Africa, the Zulu warrior said that, you know, during that time, smoking weed, you couldn't smoke till you was around 40 years old. 40? Wow. Yeah. You really earned it by that point. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, imagine, like, it's a war time. You know I'm almost you got, up. I only got a year. <laughs> <laughs> but you got soldiers. The mind is consistently going through development. Yeah. You understand me? And when you smoke weed, during a time where you high, you are in a more effeminated state. You understand mm -hmm. me? Like your testosterone is lower, right? And, you know, it's going to mess with your memory and a multitude of other different things. So you can't really afford to smoke, mm -hmm. right? When you're thinking about things that you want to invest in, like when you stop spending money, you start investing money. And mm -hmm. really it just means that I'm buying things of value. I don't, when I think about money, I think about how do I create value? So therefore the people of money come to me. It's really that simple, right? But we got to, a materialistic society for surely that thinks about how can I buy things of value instead of how can I create value. So mm -hmm. therefore, you're never valuable. Right. You're only valuable as a consumer because you never become a producer. Mm. You understand me? So if you ever get to the point where if you have little, then the best thing that you could ever do is educate yourself because it's going to give you more options with the capital and resources that you do have. Right. Right. Like if you ignorant, having a lot of money means nothing still because you can't do nothing with it. But a man that actually understands the game, you know, like my bros, you know, the channel that uh, I partner with is Earn Your Leisure. Like, we teach every single industry of how to make money. Mm. Like, there's no longer excuses. I don't care whether you grow up in Compton, whether you grow up in Chicago on the Wild Hunters, whether you grow up in Oakland and East Oakland. It don't matter. You don't have excuses because the money is always screaming. The money, but procrastination, I think, is a, is a huge mental health issue. So a lot of people will procrastinate. And that's why you want to smoke, because I'd rather indulge, right, rather than make a decision. Right. You understand me? And it's I'd always going to be the easiest thing in the short term. And that's yeah, why when I see— the worst thing in a long term. Right. When I see young people just, like, fully thinking that this is the fucking meaning of, of their life. AD's brother is a great example of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they love sitting around and getting <laughs> fucked up. But meanwhile, like, getting a job or, like, working on a skill or never mind getting in shape or, like, any of these things that could probably have a positive impact on your life in the long term. And I yeah. notice myself. I'll come home from work. A lot of times I come home from work and I got it in my head. I'm going to do an hour of cardio or I'm going to lift weights or some shit. And, it and it's always easier <laughs> to sit around and smoke weed. Lately, I've been like a lot more in control of myself and doing a lot better at controlling that impulse. But a lot of people, I see young people, they freely are just well, giving what, what, in. What happens in the head when a person procrastinate, right? They did a brain scan and they show that when a person think about a task that they normally procrastinate on, it has the same signals as pain does. Mm. Mm. So it literally becomes painful to do that task. So you, of course you would rather do something that's more pleasurable. Right. right. So instead, though, or the only way to break it is just to do it. I always say it don't take 21 days to make a habit. It's a day you start and a day you don't quit. Mm -hmm. Right. Like as a man, if you want to get something done, you got to drop your nuts and just go do it. Right. I know a lot of people be looking for all of these colorful answers to life, but it's just about your will and how you adjust it. Because in that moment, you're making a decision. More times that you go towards procrastinating, you stay on this side of comfort. You understand me? But on that other side, 
Procrastination is the abortion clinic of ideas, of genius, <laughs> of everything. Right. But to give birth to something is literally painful. Mm. When a woman go through that crowning phase, it's mm. the most painful part. So she need what? Anesthesia. She may need pain medicine or some people abort the baby. Right. But that's the that's the analogy of the ideas that we have because the average person have had a million dollar idea, just not a million dollar execution. Right. I mean, a writer. A writer does not always want to fucking sit down right. and write every day. But if you want to be a writer, and I, I know that's just from having researched a lot of people who write for a living, is that the real true test of being a writer is that you have a schedule. Most of these guys or, or women will sit down at 7 o'clock in the morning or 8 o'clock, and that's their thing. It's like, I am going to write for two hours every morning and yeah. then do some other stuff, maybe write a little bit more later, but having that structure to it because we all know that to sit down and try to like create something out of nothing and dump out your thoughts onto a piece of paper is difficult. And that if you want, but if you want to be that, you have to sort of control that. I, I noticed with myself that the best thing for me is to always be thinking about what my responsibilities are and not really letting myself chill until I've taken care of those. And that's why when yes. I get home, I might have 10 YouTube videos I want to watch really bad. But I <laughs> but I also have an email inbox full of shit that I got to fucking deal with. And I, I make a bargain in my head so, so immediately that I don't even need to think about it, which is like you are going to roast through like – 80% of these emails, maybe not all of them, but a huge percentage of it before you're going to allow yourself to just chill, right? And, 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 and if, I think young people now, you know, they don't have a sense of urgency because they are, you know, we're taught, like you said, like a Disney Disneyland fairy, fairy tale was like, we have time to do things. Mm. So even like my little brother, my little brother, he's like, hey, I'm 22 years old. And I'm like, nigga. That bro, you you need to be fighting for your life. You're right only now. 22 yeah, once, man. Man, and it's going yeah. time is going to pass you by so fast, and you don't want to be on the end of I'm I'm, I'm getting close to 30 now, or I'm, and you and you're trying to fight and you're trying to figure something out, and you crash and burn because you mentally did not prepare yourself for the world. I think I've made a pretty good use of my life, but you know how fucking bad I wish that I could be 22 again oh, and get what? all that time man. back. You know how well I would use that, that time if I had why, that time that's back. That's why I give Duno so much praise because it's like, bro, you are light years ahead yeah. of where I was at 22. It inspires you know I mean? me because it's, it's, it's crazy. The 20s, yeah. you the, the the thing about age, period, right? I don't believe in old age, right? So I got my my philosophy of new age right because through every period of time throughout your life your brain will develop differently so in your 20s you know you have the best brain for learning because of pattern recognition you can pick up a new subject real quickly right and then you can learn it real quickly after mm -hmm. 25 going into 30 your brain is going to change yeah. right and so like through every iteration of life from you know from 1 to 10 from 10 to 17 17 to 25 your brain going through all these changes cuz you had a new age right right like how old are you 38 38 you've been 19 before oh, so yeah. 19 is your old age 38 or 39 will become your new age mm -hmm. you're going to go through certain developmental changes by the time of 50 we reach our peak creativity but we don't learn how to develop ourselves at these new ages. So you may be trying to learn the same way you was at 20 when you turned 30 or 40, and now you can't stimulate yourself the same way. Mm -hmm. And so you get frustrated, which causes you to procrastinate. Mm -hmm. You understand me? Because you're using your old ways at new ages, 
right? So for me, a 20-year-old, you know, you got to basically expose yourself to as many things as possible before the age of 25. Yeah. So that any other time you want to pick up one of those things, you got a reference point in your brain to go back on there and stack on top of it. And I was I was with my friend and his son the other day, and his son is like ten. And to me, from my my perspective, he's clearly like a talented athlete. Like he's he's mm-hmm. he's strong and he's tall and he's like I think he could really do something physically. We don't, but he's talking to me about it. he's like I love going to the skate park. And I also love basketball, and sometimes I don't know which one I should focus on. Both! And I I, I told him that. I'm like, you should do both. And I also told him, I'm like, listen, don't cut anything else out. Like, try everything. Like, I'm like, when you are as young as you, just try as many things as possible. You need to go skiing a couple times. You need to go snowboarding. You got to, like, figure shit out because – you're so young, you have so much potential that you just don't want to make a decision without having been exposed to a lot of shit. And then some of those overlap, like, you know, a lot of people don't look at, like, sports as, like, a science. You right. understand me? But when you think about, like, the difference between what it takes to be good at one sport or the other, they overlap with each other. True. So one skill can make you better at another, right? I don't believe in just, you know, jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I believe that you can be master of many trades. Mm-hmm. You understand me? But I feel like you master one, then you go to the other. And some things that you master make other things easier to master. Right. Because 50% of this is a learning curve towards the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And then if, if your nephew just document the process, he may be able to start monetizing it. Right. And once you make money at something you're good at, it makes you want to do it forever. Man. You understand me? Like Because now it's the whole thing of getting out of procrastination. So you do the task. Then once you do it, you're going to get a feeling of a pleasure and reward because now you're getting dopamine like, damn, I did that. I feel accomplished. So now you start to associate that with a good feeling. Mm-hmm. So now when you double back and you do it again and you realize you're good at it, now it's double pleasurable to you. So now that's how people start getting addicted to like runner's high and things of that nature. Doing the thing that you don't like like you love it. You understand me? Like if, if you know, I don't believe in like my, I got six younger brothers. You understand me? Like, you can't talk to me about something that you don't feel like doing. Mm. I don't care about that. It's the logic of it. Men got to move on logic, not feelings. Once you get caught up in your emotions, then you got to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That ain't (laughs) for me. But you can, we got the ability to, you know, rise above emotions. We was always taught, like Marcus Garvey on the Blanche Muhammad quotes, was rise above emotions into the thinking of God. There's nothing made in nature, right, that's irrational, Mm. right? So God's signature is logical. Everything in the universe is logical. A plant has a reason. Everything has a purpose. So for me, finding the reason why, like, you know, I'm a great speaker. What can I do with this? You know, I can, and this was not something that I found for myself. I didn't know I was a good speaker until somebody said, I'll pay you to speak. But let's say you spent your whole elementary, junior high playing basketball. Yeah. And you were just, you love basketball. It's fun as fuck, obviously. Right. It's like a great culture around it. It's easy to understand when somebody like basketball. But meanwhile, if you were to neglect your education, then you might never see Oh fuck! Maybe maybe I'm actually like a pretty mid basketball player, but I have a lot to offer in this other field, and that's why I say you got to touch everything because you if you to. if you find one thing that you're passionate about and just start grinding at that thing when you're young, that's dope. But just don't let that be the closing of the door on every other opportunity. You know? Yeah, young people, man, you got so many opportunities. Just being young is a gift in itself, and is a, is a yep. something that you can market. Like if you find a kid. Right. It could be 15, 16. Let's say like we talked about blockchain and stuff. He put in 100 hours on that 
He's going to be the smartest person that anybody knows on that. Now he can become an industry consultant at a young age. Right. Mm. Like, that's about, like, creating your own jobs and opportunities, right? There's a uh, I play poker, and so there's a friend of mine, Landon, who's young. He's, like, 22, I think, and he's really fucking good at poker. And it's, like, it's so different for him being really good at poker at 22 than it would be if he was 42. Yeah. Because there's just a lot of people who have managed to yeah. get good at this by the time you're yeah. 42. It really stands out to people in that community of like, experience to age. he must be a fucking smart cookie because he's been, he, he's this good at this age. And there's something really marketable and inspiring about that to people. So and I've seen that in the bike riding world where it's like, if you have some 15 year old kid who's amazing at bike riding, the young ass kids relate to him so much that that makes his potential popularity way bigger than like a 30 year old dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, certain ages, when you do something at a certain old age is special. Right. Right. Um, but that's true. If there's a certain mid age where it ain't nothing special about what you're doing. It's like you're supposed to be doing it. But yeah. it depends on the narrative and the story you told around. Like to see an old man in his 60s do a triathlon on a bicycle. Oh, that's was what, I was thinking of skydiving, but yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but and, and, and to see a very young person do it, then yes. But to see a person in the mid age, you say, well, you train, you qualify, unless you know their story that, okay, they just started. Right. Right, like even like people out there building brands, and that's that's probably why I should definitely tell more of my story more often. It's just very much not an interest of mine, but being able to tell your story can make whatever you do special. Mm, that's true. You understand me? You may see somebody do one thing, but then as soon as you hear the story behind it, it personalizes it for them. It gives them a perspective on it, and now it becomes a solid brand. You understand me? And and now it becomes something special for you. You dig? So for me, like young people should start brands early on. Like, not even just a business, but a brand. Whatever you have, what is your brand? You understand me? What's your name? What is the, the, the mission statement? What's your principles attached to it? Find, like, three things to attach to that and then be consistent with it. So, therefore, if you ever want to pivot your brand into a business, you already have an existing base. Right. Yeah, it's much harder to start from zero than to keep a fire lit by throwing shit on there. I think about that all the time with my kid is how I want to introduce her to the concept of entrepreneurialism at an early age, even if it's something silly like, okay, you're four and you did a drawing. Mm-hmm. Well, we're gonna fit. We're I'm, we're gonna take that drawing and we're gonna go on the computer and we're gonna search up how to make a t-shirt and then we're gonna make mm. twenty t-shirts of that shirt. You know, try to make it real yeah. to her and try to show her, even if it's silly and even if it's like, oh, we got twenty t-shirts and we're gonna get your grandma to buy some and we're gonna, you know, whatever. Like, just make it yeah. a fun thing for her and and like try to make it real to her. I was thinking like. She's she'll have a piggy bank, and if she got like five hundred bucks from selling those T-shirts, like okay, we're gonna put that five hundred dollars in the piggy bank, and we're gonna think about next time you want something, I'm gonna refer back to it and be like, well, you do have five hundred bucks in the piggy bank, that kind of thing. I think you get, made it. getting yeah. your kid into that mentality early on is like the best thing I think you can do. Man, I had I, we was teaching children, and we was teaching them how to create their own eBooks. Mm. and how to sell them, right? And we gave them, I like to figure out the simplest method of something that a person is already doing that they can just tweak a little bit and then they got a business. So one of them was just like, we had a bunch of children. They they, they seem like a lot of bright children because the parents wanted them in the program. So, you know, we said, go tell a story. This is like their homework. You go tell a story and you can record it. You ain't got to write it down. Record a story of you telling yourself or talking to your parent or talking to yourself depending on how good and how fluent they are. 
Then you take that, you can go on Fiverr, and I want you to get it transcribed, uh-huh. right? You go get it transcribed, make sure there no errors in there. You got a little glossary index for how many chapters. It don't have to be long whatsoever, right? right? You can go on same Fiverr or wherever you want to, Mid Journey or Dolly 2, and you can create a cover for it, right? All of this is cheap. Once you got that done, then you can either keep it as an ebook by go getting you a Shopify account, uploading it on there, and now you tell your son or daughter, you teach them a pitch, a repetitive pitch that they can do with their, with their book because now they become an author. Mm-hmm. So at an early age, not only they got a business, a product, they got a career. You understand me? That they started and they got a title attached to that at a very early age. That's very impressive. People will buy it just because of their age. Don't let it actually mm. be good. Now they got a good quality product that if you put marketing behind it, it may take off. Mm-hmm. But giving them an accomplishment like becoming an author at a young age, and I got more to how I actually teach it, but that was something that trained so much confidence and love towards the idea of business and entrepreneurship, mm. and it starts them off with some early wins. Yeah, early wins. That's a good – I like to, like, think about things like that. Like, one thing I noticed in my life is that if I wake up and everything's going good – that by the end of the day, I feel like I can do more good shit. Sure. That I'm, I'm, I'm chaining together small successes. You gotta make your bed. You, 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 yeah, you make your bed, you work out, you, you eat good, right? You drink your coffee, you get all your emails done so you can have a clear head, et cetera. Meanwhile, picture an alternate reality where you like get out of bed and you immediately smash your shin on the bed and you know it hurts like fucking hell. And you spend <laughs> the first 15 minutes like bandaging it or some shit yeah. and then you slip and fall in the shower and you, your fucking car is a flat tire. Doesn't this sound like a day where you're not getting anything done? You know, a mood is one long reaction to an emotion. Yeah. So the moment you have a bad emotion, at that moment, you're going to be reacting to it the whole day. That's that's the idea of trauma. Mm. You constantly looping in that moment, and you take that moment, and you stretch it out for a whole day until something else happens that allows you to reset it. So, like, if you don't start the day off with a good mood, you're going to have a bad day because mood really determines the, 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 the quality of life that you live. That's a fact. Um, okay, so if, if you had uh, anything that in particular that you would recommend that somebody who watched this podcast and they liked it and they wanted to tap in with more of your stuff, where, where would you send them? Uh, I would send them to high-level conversations. You know, On I, YouTube I, primarily? Or? Yeah, that one's on YouTube primarily, or you can listen to the audio. You understand me? I, I do have books out, like how you were just breaking down a, a, a routine. Right. I teach people. It's called Paradigm Key, Solution-Based Mind Reprogramming. So it's super simple, like people in jail read it, people all over read it, and they be like, yo, this has changed my life because I made it very concise, no fluff information in there at all, just things that you read, things that you can do, perspectives mm-hmm. that you have, things that you gain. So that one I think was very solid, and sometimes I forget that I'm an author until people send me testimonials on how they love the book. Um, but besides that, I think that that's a good start for me, man. And I think that if you gain perspective, knowledge, and observation over the things that I curate, you know, I can guarantee. And this is this is my 100% guarantee, 119%. You know, I can change your life, particularly because I can change the way you think. Mm-hmm. And if you change the way a person thinks, you change their world. Because our world is made up of our thoughts, our ideas, our perspective, our philosophies, our principles. So that exposure that you get from somebody like myself and the guest and the information, it will force your mind to expand in a way to where you can never see life the same. I like it. You're pushing a good message, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate, got, appreciate uh, you I see, having me see on. I see a lot of people out there pushing bullshit, but you seem like you're pushing some important 
I did. Appreciate that. Appreciate that, man. Thank you for oh, man. inviting me onto the show. Hey, Dizzle. You understand me? I appreciate you for having me as well. My pleasure, man. I'll definitely be watching some of y'all crazier episodes. <laughs> you know. Um, you seen him getting twerked on and shit? No, nah, I ain't see that one. I ain't <laughs> see that one. It's out there. <laughs> it gets wild out here. Yeah, here. yeah. So I've seen. We do it all. We get we get wild with it. We get and, intelligent and, with it. And that's why I said, like, as much crazy shit that we see on here, I want to be able to, like, bring people in that it can give out some real information, mm. have a dope message out there. You may get everything. So, yeah, man. Yeah, most definitely. You know, it's last but not least, man, media is so important, man. What we pay attention to. You know, like you can tell him who a man is by what he puts in his mind. Mm. You know, you get, you don't even get 24 hours in a day because you can't really count nighttime. That's when we sleeping, right? right? You, you you go get a solid 10 hours in a day and maybe five hours where you actually good at making decisions, right? Right, and depending on your brain, it may be a, a good three hours for some people. So you got to change the quality of what you intake if you want to change the quality of your life. Mm. You know what I mean? It, I, I don't miss Lufar. I got a good quote. You can tell a man by what his hands produce. You understand me or what his mind produces, right? So, like, if you see a man with nothing, it's because his mind is full of excuses. Mm. And excuses, I was always taught, are built monuments of nothingness, right? But a person that finds reason and they find a way, they have everything. Right. Because no matter how many blockades you put in their way, they will always find a way. Some people got a problem for every solution. Some people got a solution for every problem. Respect. Facts. 19 Keys, I appreciate you, man. Likewise. AD, thank you for co-hosting. Gang shit, no jumper. Coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. And uh, check both of these guys out on YouTube and whatnot. Appreciate y'all.